888-727-3732. We're in our final seconds. Please keep calling. Cows will count towards that challenge for the next three minutes. 1-800-HEY-KPFA. And thank you to all who have called. Thank you for that call. KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, and 88.1 KFCF in Fresno. Online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Stay tuned. Up next is Cover to Cover, Open Book. to cover to cover open book i'm your host producer nina serrano with my poet to poet series i'll be inviting you today to support kpfa during this fun drive our phone volunteers are ready for your calls at 1-800-439-5732 1-800-439-5732 and 510-848-5732 We're asking you to donate as much as you can to show your appreciation for the work we do. And today we're also offering many wonderful premiums which you can find online or discuss with our friendly phone volunteers at that very same number, 1-800-439-5732 or 510-848-5732. I'll also be offering you a six-pack of terrific author's recent local speeches for a donation of $180 or only $15 a month for the work of these timely authors on urgent topics of our day. Eve Ensler, Naomi Klein, Curtis White, Tim Wise, Jim Lowen, and our own Amy Goodman. And you can receive this by calling 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-439-5732 and 510-848-5732. Thank you, callers that are on the line. Or, you know, you can just call and donate whatever you can afford. We at Free Speech Radio will really appreciate it. The numbers are 1-800-439-5732 and 510-848-5732. Five seven three two. Today's guest is poet Lincoln Bergman, discussing and reading his own work. Lincoln is author of Chance of a Lifetime, Selected Poetry of Lincoln Bergman. He began life as a red diaper baby and has been a student, a poet, an activist, working on a cattle ranch as a lab assistant and a radio journalist, and even has been news director right here at KPFA, English teacher in the People's Republic of China, foreign correspondent in Havana, Cuba, union proofreader, medical editor, and science curriculum specialist at the Lawrence Hall of Science. He also devotes energies to Freedom Archives, an audio collection of recent radical history that you can find at www.freedomarchives.org, of which Lincoln Bergman is also one of the founders. As is Nina Serrano. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome, Lincoln, to Open Book. Thanks very much, Nina. Great to be here. 
Well, it's wonderful that you're able to be here, Lincoln. Can you tell us a little bit about your evolution as a poet? Sure, I'd be glad to. Uh, I really started writing poetry very, very early. Um, and I, I attribute it continuing to the constant encouragement of my mother who wrote poetry and was a great artist and my father who wrote poetry and published a couple books of poems. Um, I remember once I did a metaphor. I wrote a poem about Rip Van Winkle when I was six or seven and I said, his beard is as long as our car. And I remember my father saying, that's really good. That's a metaphor. And just that little nugget of praise from both my mother and my father has kept my evolution happening through the 60s and 70s, uh, political revolutionary poetry, love poetry, uh, more personal kinds of poetry, and uh, even more lately poetry for young folks about science and math written in uh, teacher's guides at the Lawrence Hall of Science. But since you asked about the evolution, I thought I might start with my first published poem which was actually published as a letter in the Daily Worker in 1953 after the execution of Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. And I suppose um, my parents encouraged and helped a little bit, but some of this is definitely the nine-year-old me. And uh, you were nine when you wrote it. Yes, yes, indeed. Let's hear it. And it's called The Frame-Ups Shall Cease. When Ethel and Julius Rosenberg died, it was because the bosses had lied. Ethel and Julius false would not tell. As for the bosses, they can go to hell. Ethel and Julius died in the electric chair, but the bosses didn't seem to care. When they died, they gave new spirit to us. If we don't have peace, the world will bust. As long as the dove of peace shall fly, the thought of peace shall never die. Before very long, we shall have peace. Then all the frame-ups shall cease. I wish that was Would true. that were the case? If exactly only that's my how thought. it worked out, Lincoln. Exactly but my it thought. It was a beautiful way to start <laughs> life with an ideal like that. Yes, indeed. And poetry, as you know, Nina, um, um, uh, I've had uh, uh, many of my poems have rhymes in them, and I love rhyme. I love Langston Hughes' poetry, many of the other poems. Uh, I was talking to a class of third graders the other day and talking about rhyme and about song, and, of course, they loved it, and we wrote a poem about the moon. And in that vein, I'd like to read a poem called My Lifelong Love Affair. I've had a lifelong love affair with something always in a pair, so connected as to be a single mingled melody, a love so strong, a love so long, a love so certain and so true, a love that's always old and new, a love that sings, a love that brings a sweet release, a sense of peace, a love imbibed in mother's milk that's warm as sun and smooth as silk, a love passed on by father's hand, a love that helps me understand, a love that fills with poetry, a love of you, a love of me, an intimate, passionate love affair, as natural as breathing air, withstanding all the winds of time, my lifelong love affair with rhyme. I can testify to that, Lincoln. (laughs) It seems like you have come up with rhymes for almost every occasion. I love rhyme, and uh, and uh, years ago uh, at, on KPFA, the Midnight Flash, which came before um, uh, the Real Dragon and Nothing Is More Precious Than and Freedom Is a Constant Struggle, all programs in the Freedom Archives that you mentioned. Years ago, I tried to do newscasts uh, on the Midnight Flash in rhyme, newscasts in poetry with rhyme, and a, a few of them turned out pretty good. What a challenge! Yes. 
So now, given that we're talking about rhyme and shifting the mood a little bit, one of the reasons you asked me to come in, I know, is that you uh, you uh, were drawn to one of the poems in my book, um, Chance of a Lifetime is the name of the book, a poem that also my Aunt Deborah up in Grayton, California, also loved and pointed out to me. It's called Ithaca Graveyard. My mother died when I was in my mid to late teens, um, and uh, a few years later I went to Cornell, and I walked through a graveyard at Cornell, and this poem happened. Ithaca Graveyard A walk downhill past the weekend couples who paused to kiss, down from the university to the fabled graveyard, where it is said a girl was once found roaring drunk, clad only in her underpants. Such a walk downhill, even if during the day, might well supply some sights worth mention. These were his thoughts as down he walked into the graveyard where his first sight was the pine trees, and below their green and the bare branches of the others, he saw a trampled can of beer on the slope. He would have liked it to have an inscription, like the monuments that told him the story of its being there, but all it said was Schlitz, and the foot or fist that twisted it had long since gone. Long since gone, dead mother. For this was not the first time he had taken this walk downhill from his study desk. Once he'd taken this walk with a girl who, for reasons that she couldn't fully explain, had protested his walking on the burial mounds out of respect. He'd answered that the grass grew there. He thought it only right that living feet should also wander, grow upon the dead. Mother, you are buried far away, and I have never visited since the day when all of us threw the soil you loved, the soil from which your flowers grew, were watered, flowered upon the casket. But on this day of rain clouds in the sky, this day when feet are drawn to death, I think of you. One monument had fallen, had redug into the earth, so that the name could no longer be read, and on one he read the name and year of 1812, a girl aged two years, ten months, two days. He thought of her as smiling, blue-eyed blonde, in a cotton dress of blue with white polka dots and little feet. And he remembered the talk of what, when you are an old lady in a black dress, we'll take care of you, and mother... Then you smiled, but we never saw that day. And he remembered how near the end she had wanted to once more hold a baby in her arms. But there were no grandchildren then, and they can never know her. There were some tiny stones. He reasoned that the family had not had much resource, but saw them stand against the larger, almost oriental tombs built into the lower hillside. And he remembered when he was a little boy how, whenever he was in a car that passed a graveyard, even if everyone was talking, he would silently lower his head at this thing which was so unknown but seemed so meaningful. Today he saw the stumps of trees cut off around the graveyard and the Christmas wreaths and flower pots that had been placed there after death. Other graveyards came to mind, the one much further out from Ithaca, where he had walked with another girl to ease her sadness, the loss of her mother, her doubts about herself and world. They walked and turned down the cemetery path at night, and darkness made each step an adventure. There was the fear that with each step would be an open pit, a wall preventing them from going deeper. But then the night became more clear, and they sat on monuments of, or grass and talked 
as he talked over, walked over to a white high stone grave marker to urinate. Suddenly they heard a siren growing louder, louder, and immediately into their minds that old specter of destruction. Everyone curled up under their desks, raised itself, and it went on, and so they talked, but then it passed. Was it the testing that had caused that bone-breaking cancer, mother, that you suffered? He walked on and heard the thunder. The day she died, he far away, it had snowed. That snow merged with falling faintly James Joyce the dead. And he heard a lecture on the theater of the absurd and saw a film of himself acting Estragon in Waiting for Godot. His father called and then he thought, remembered his mother's voice a few weeks earlier. I should have known that that was her goodbye. Later, he would see the notebook that she kept during those last days. She whom the gods would destroy, they would first make happy. Would remember the family at the grave and father's words, because she had so much courage, let's all of us have a little bit. And he would see on a torn page her artistic script, To my beloved children I bequeath all of myself that is in them. Then it had snowed. In Ithaca it lightly rains, and all things are seen with that same reverence that once was felt when passing graveyards. And to the poem, all poems, the love I'm soon to know, all loves, the graveyards of memory, and those in Ithaca, the pine trees and the leafless ones, the beer bottles and the drunken naked girls, to all of these dead mother I bequeath all of myself that is in you, and all of me to children you will never see who I must gently, firmly father, and to those tiny monuments that stand against the larger tombs. He turned around wet in the falling rain and quietly began to climb the hill once more, past the trees, the dormitories, and on. You have just heard Lincoln Bergman reading from his original work from his book, Chance of a Lifetime. That was a beautiful poem, Lincoln. I always have found that so moving, but I don't think I've ever heard you read it aloud before, and you read it really beautifully. Thank you, Nina. You know, I hadn't ever read it aloud before until you asked me, and last night I tried and practiced and read it aloud and burst into tears afterwards because that's how it made me feel. You had never yes. read it aloud Not before. aloud, I don't believe so, except when you write a poem, you hear it aloud and you say it aloud. But I wrote that many years ago in college, so no, I never had. So thank you. Thank you. It was a beautiful yes, reading. Thank you. And I wonder what other poems you have for Well, us. I have a, a few shorter poems that I thought I'd read. One maybe follows all right after that one. It, uh, it was written on Milvia Street when I lived on Milvia Street, a couple blocks down from where Allen Ginsberg wrote Howell, which was also on Milvia Street. And uh, there was a beautiful redwood tree right across the street from me, and I wrote a series of poems. This is Redwood number 12. We become what we become, seemingly by chance and choice, but actually as inexorably as ripening plum or redwood tree. So as you grow to live in love, be reminded of one rule of thumb. We become what 
we become. I'm not a singer, but I have to sing this one. This was a this is a poem that uh, Denny Smithson, who also does this show and worked at unfortunately departed Cody's. Um, uh, one of the booksellers there, uh, he showed him this book, and he picked up this book and turned to this page, and he said, hey, we'll take it. And it's called, I'll try to sing the best I can, Rock of Wages. Rock of wages cleft for me in this mindless misery, for I work hard every day and i try to save my pay but my bills are overdue and my debts are rising too rock of wages cleft for me let me win the lottery <laughs> <laughs> Your love of rhyme. Uh, uh, yes, indeed. Love of rhyme. And uh, because we talked a little bit about uh, where I work, Lawrence Hall of Science, I thought I'd do a couple short uh, children's poems that I've written. Um, let me see if I can find them. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, very short poems. One is, is called, uh, one of my favorites, called Penguin Deluxe. Penguin Deluxe, bird in a tux, elegant, debonair. Birds of a feather who do flock together, but never take to the air. And this poem is based on actually uh, what uh, uh, one young boy in a class said. And uh, it's, uh, it's uh, from a, a teacher's guide about the sun and the importance of the sun to the earth. And it's called The Sun is a Star. Our teacher told us the sun is a star, the closest one to us, but still pretty far. It's lucky for us, when nighttime is done, that it knows how to turn into a sun. And uh, then, Do yes. The children memorize these poems. Well, you know, uh, you know, they're they poems that go with the teacher's guide, and many teachers have uh, used them and used them in class, and uh, had had kids learn them or recite them. So that's great. I just feel great about it. It's a nice way for me to sneak some of my poetry into these national program, great explorations in math and science, or gems that comes out of the Lawrence Hall of Science. And uh, I'll do uh, one more, and then we can talk a little bit about. Uh, KPFA. Okay. Um, but this one is written a, a little later on, uh, uh, about four or five years ago. It's called Confessional. I confess I am guilty of love. I confess I have engaged in friendship. I admit I have consorted with all manner of people, have tenderly touched cats, dogs, lovers, flowers, been guilty of marveling at the stars, a stone, an autumn leaf. I acknowledged I've committed crimes of kindness, been implicated in acts of empathy and passion, been convicted of having convictions conspired to breathe in better air, gone underground to pray with earthworms, secretly plotted to save the redwoods, 
stand accused of harboring visions of evolution of our species toward justice and peace. I confess, I am guilty of love. You just heard Lincoln Bergman reading from his own book of poems, Chants of a Lifetime, Selected Poetry of Lincoln Bergman. Lincoln, those were wonderful poems, and I thank you so much for sharing them. When I was telling the listeners that you had been uh, news director here at KPFA, I was thinking that maybe you might want to share a little of that experience with the listeners because we're now in Fund Drive. Yes, indeed. And we're trying to raise the funds to keep this station going. When were you? I was news director. director. I, I came and volunteered in the news department for a little while, and then uh, in the at the very beginning of 1969, I became news director and was news director 70 and. 71. And then after that, no longer news director, uh, we did a weekly show, as you know, um, uh, every Saturday, and it had various names and continued till uh, the infamous incidents in 1995 when many programs were arbitrarily taken off the air. Um, so it was in 69, 70, 71, my baptism of fire, it was, this was at the old KPFA studio on Shattuck, uh, was People's Park. And, uh, the, we had very long cords on the microphones, and from the studio, one could take this very, very long cord all the way down to the front window and watch the demonstrators go by many times. Here they come, the demonstrators, they're making that sound that they made in the Battle of Algiers. And so it was, it was Claude Marx, who's head of the Freedom Archives now, was one of the reporters. The other reporter, there weren't, were not, was not as large a staff as there is today. The other reporter was Denny Smithson, and they were both fantastic and courageous out there on the streets. And Danny Smithson is still with us here on Cover to Cover. Absolutely. And um, uh, what I I also recall a little later on was the bombing of of, uh, uh, Cambodia and the the killings, the murders at Kent State and at Jackson State. And that was, I believe, at a marathon time. And we were... uh, uh, wide open on the air, and we covered it, and uh, and uh, and a, a network of radio stations built up around the country. So um, those were some of the day- things I remember. And KPFA, as you know, Nina, you've been here even longer than I has been here a long time through lots of ups and downs, lots of crises, um, and different people have their different opinions about that. But Elsa Knight Thompson, who is my close comrade and friend, my, I like to say my my radio woman tour, woman tour. Uh, here at KPFA, despite all the various injustices that happened to her, used to say, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And that's the way she felt about this station and about Pacifica, that the social function it was serving uh, meant that it was worthy of support no matter what particular issue what was rising that day. So you could give the phone numbers. I I will give the phone numbers because it's your time to help KPFA keep going forward into the future and the phone number is 510-848-5732 to donate that's 848-5732 or outside the 510 numbers you can go to 1-800-439-5732 that's 1-800- 439-5732 and keep local poets like Lincoln Bergman on the air here on KPFA 
Fortunately, we have Amelia Gonzalez here, and she's going to tell you a little more about this. I'm going to tell you that if you call now, you can uh, you can pledge your support and support the arts here. And Nina, I am so um, I'm happy that um, that I'm here with you and and honored that Lincoln uh, Bergman is here. As a matter of fact, uh, just the other day I played I fell upon a documentary of Victor Jara and uh, and it was beautifully done it was uh, Joan Jara describing the music describing his writing descri- and uh, translating his music and of course in the credits was uh, Lincoln's name and I just wanted to remind you of that and, and the treasure that we have here at KPFA the treasure that Pacifica is with all its warts as uh, Lincoln reminds us, but the the history is rich. The legacy of the people that have come through these doors and the doors on Shattuck stay alive because of you. And we're asking you to go to the phone. 1-800-439-5732-848-5732 locally or online at kpfa.org. And I would like for those listeners that uh, those seven of eight of you that listen but do not subscribe, I'd like to make a special appeal to you to ask you to this year do it differently. This year, rather than listening and not subscribing, that you consider subscribing and being part of KPFA. So I'm asking those seven of eight of you, go to the phone, help us out, do something different today. 1-800-439-5732-848-5732. We'd like to see those phone lines light up, especially the old-time listeners. You who could remember Lincoln Bergman, you who could remember People's Park that was happening right side of the KPFA doors, you who can remember the anti-Vietnam War demonstrations, and where did you turn then for the news, and where do you turn now to find out what's happening? Where do you get your dose of culture? Maybe you can't always go to all of the events that are happening all over this very rich, culturally rich Bay Area. But you can pretty be sure that you're going to hear one of those talks on KPFA. And in fact, one of the things you can get by donating $180 or $15 a month is a six-pack of talks by six major writers who were speaking in the Bay Area. That's Naomi Klein, who was speaking at the Mario Savio lecture. Curtis White, who wrote What's Really Wrong, who was speaking at Berkeley City College. Or each Eve Ensler, the woman that made the vagina famous. Or maybe Tim Wise, author of White Like Me, Between Barack and a Hard Place, Racism and White Denial in the Age of Obama. He gave a talk at the First Congregational Church, and maybe you weren't able to go. But for $180, by calling 510-848-5732, or 1-800-439-5732, that's 1-800-439-5732, these tapes, rather these CDs, can be yours. You can hear these events that are happening all over now and share them with your friends by calling 510-848-5732-510. 548-5732. It's almost a chance. 
and 1-800-439-5732. Yeah, you know, Nina, I, I think of these, uh, these tapes are for a $15 a month pledge. You could get these, and they're over six hours of content. It includes the, the speeches. You've heard highlights of them. You know who they are. Curtis White, Tim Wise, Eve Ensler, Naomi Klein, Irene Kahn, Amy Goodman. These are voices that, that have are you could say they're staples to KPFA and you could also say that you're not going to generally hear them uncensored un uh, un cut not a sound bite but the whole thing you get that if you call now 1-800-439-5732-848-5732 we generally offer you the pack of folks that have gone by here of people that are consistent with our mission consistent with our programming that you value we generally put these packs together because it's what kpfa does best it brings you these voices of independent thinkers independent writers that are here for the taking if you call now with a $15 a month pledge 1-800-439-5732-848-5732 we've run out of time Nina oh I'm so sorry but there's still time there are uh, 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 volunteers ready to answer the call whenever you make it and you know the numbers so we're counting on you to do that and Lincoln do you have a closing line a closing line uh, 1-800-439-5732 is about the best I can do or 1-800-439-5732 hey KPFA or 848-5732 and if you can't afford the $180 or the 15 a month you can donate whatever you like thanks a lot Nina Saiu pro meu pai, e não tem mais nada, não. O meu coração pediu assim.